welcome back to another episode of the Beer Truth Podcast. I'm Tom, and today we are back to Beer Basics with another style that is going to be Mexican lagers today. And I went with this style because I feel like it is just vastly underappreciated. When done well, it's a fantastic beer. So we'll get into the different specifics of the style. Uh, Not that there's a whole lot documented, but uh, some examples of various different subcategories and all that kind of stuff but first I want to thank my sponsor which would be my wallet it's not very reliable but it's always on my mind Mexican lager what does that mean what does that even mean anymore Uh, most people's first thoughts gonna be Corona, Dos Equis, Modelo, uh, you know Victoria, Pacifico that kind of stuff and that's great you know that's great for what it is Uh, there's a lot of history behind some of those brands but there is more to it, and the last couple of years has seen a huge rise in craft versions of Mexican lagers of varying colors and flavor profiles and different takes on it, micheladas, all you know, any any way you want to take a beer, you can you can make something of it. So, but the the bigger brands, Corona, uh, number one imported beer, uh, I think the number one imported brand overall in America and obviously it's lighter uh, it's got the clear bottle um, it's a lot less sweet than something darker and uh, more caramelly um, Corona comes in cans now and don't even get me started on the fucking seltzers but uh, there's also a low calorie version of Corona uh, Corona Premier uh, it's fucking garbage and I found that out the hard way fishing with my brother one day uh, that beer fucking sucks anyway personal stories aside uh, there's obviously other big ones. Uh, Modelo is the second most imported brand, I believe, for uh, beer in America. Uh, Negro Modelo is darker. Uh, it's more like a Dunkel-style lager. Um, there's uh, Modelo Especial. That's the lighter version. Uh, color-wise, that's a lighter version. Um, those two... So yeah, Corona and Modelo are the two most imported brands in America. And... I'm personally much more a fan of the paler, uh, drier, less sweet Mexican-style lagers or Mexican lagers, but uh, I I generally don't like caramelly sweetness that comes with any beer, uh, uh, but especially with just the darker malts, um, the caramel malts, stuff like that. It it just doesn't work for me, so I just prefer the the paler stuff, the lighter, a little bit drier, uh, easier to drink, in my opinion. but, you know, to each their own. So, uh, craft-wise, I would say probably the best pale Mexican lager I've had is from Topa Topa. I think I've talked about this before. It's called Dos Topas. Uh, it's, I think it's about 5%. It's light. It's crisp. It's clean. It's easy drinking. It doesn't have that lingering sticky sweetness. Uh, just a kiss of hops if you even notice it. Kind of bready and crackery. Uh, dry finish. And goes great with a lot of different foods, a lot of different styles. You know, Mexican lager doesn't just work with Mexican food. It works with so many different foods. Um, another beer in that vein, a little further south on the California coast uh, from Culture Brewing in North County, San Diego. Uh, it's called La Cerveza. And similar to Dos Topas, goes great with food. Uh, it can be go with rich food and go with, you know, something like... Uh, big heavy red enchilada sauce 
uh, can go well with cheeses and kind of cut through the fattiness of a cheese. Uh, can go with a light snack. You know, you can probably go great with ceviche, uh, fish tacos, something like that. And by itself, it's just good beer-flavored beer. It's just easy to drink. Uh, it's real tasty. And I don't know the specifics of the recipes of either of those beers, but uh, I would bet that they contain a portion of corn in the grist because it leaves a pretty distinct corn chip kind of flavor. And that's a decent hallmark of a Mexican beer or Mexican-style uh, lager is corn in the grist. It's something that's there. I uh, I don't believe there are specifically Mexican-style lager guidelines in the BJCP. I think generally it falls under Vienna lager. But corn chip flavor, corn in the grist, that's a, a pretty standard hallmark of the Mexican-style lagers. Uh, can probably give me a lot of Pilsner malt as well. And a, probably, I think, nationally available example of the style is going to be Buena Vesa from Stone. Uh, I think there's also a little bit of lime in there. Um, which kind of takes it a little bit different direction, but uh, if you can get a hand uh, or get a hold of that beer and try that one, tell me that you're not tasting corn chips because to me that's exactly what it is. It's corn tortilla chips with maybe a little salt and lime. So try that one if you can find it. Uh, I think it's national, and um, that actually makes me kind of think these these beers, the paler Mexican lagers, should be just fucking awesome in ceviche or pairing with ceviche uh for these paler mexican lagers there's to me there's no debate uh it should have some corn to lighten up the body and have that distinct corn crackery kind of flavor and it's got to be smooth it's got to be smooth uh you don't want to it's a beer that you just don't want to stop drinking and perfect on a hot day uh, it's perfect with hot food, spicy food, uh, ceviche. It it goes well with a lot of different stuff. Um, for the darker Mexican lagers, uh, which by most accounts originated from Vienna lagers, popularized in Mexico when in the 1860s, uh, the Austrian Archduke Ferdinand Maximilian Joseph ruled as Emperor of Mexico for, I think, three or four years. Um, and if that's not enough cultural crossover, he was put in place by the French. And so just wrap your head around that. But he, uh, reportedly brought over brewers from Austria, his homeland to brew the beer that he liked, uh, which, um, were the, the influence of what we see today. And, uh, then he got killed and so he didn't last long as, uh, emperor of Mexico, but maybe you haven't heard of that because it was so short-lived, but the beer stuck around. So we do have those darker styles that are more, uh, much more like a Vienna lager or a Dunkel and Vienna lager, uh, eventually kind of migrated North in the early days of craft beer. Uh, it's got a longer and more interesting history than what I just went through in 10 seconds, but, uh, it came about through the work of Anton Dreher and Gabriel Sittelmeyer, I hope I pronounced those right, but um, there's actually a new book out. Uh, it's just called Vienna Lager by Andreas Krenmeier, and if you want to nerd out on the history of that, I would go for that. Uh, it's supposed to be very well done, very well researched, 
and really focus on that Vienna lager because it's had such an impact on so much of beer today, whether it's still Vienna lagers or stuff that's spun out from that. Um, I would, if you want to nerd out on that, go find that book. I believe it's out now. And the way it's impacted a lot of things, you know, early days of craft beer, just see Sam Adams Boston Lager for that. You know, that was obviously a huge one at the beginning, and that's considered a Vienna Lager. Um, I'm sure it's evolved since the days when it started 30, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 30 plus years ago. But uh, it's the uh, the importance of Vienna Lager, you can still see literally to this day. Uh, there's a couple other early examples I'm blanking on. Uh, I think one was from Great Lakes Brewing Company, but you don't really see too many Vienna lagers in craft beer these days. And, you know, people, people are kind of looking for that drier beers, uh, you know, easier to keep drinking, the sweeter it is, kind of the more it's going to weigh you down a little bit, harder it's going to be to keep drinking, but it's a pretty different, uh, approach to beer than what we see a lot of these days, which is, seems to be all about hops and sourness, acidity, and adjunct stouts. Vienna lager doesn't really fit in anywhere there. Um, you know, back in the day, it was probably considered on the hoppy side, but um, things have changed. Uh, in the BGC, in the BJCP guidelines, they literally say, uh, well, at least in the 2015 guidelines, that it's being considered to be moved into a historical category, uh, Vienna Lager, that is, because it's changed so much from what it used to be that it's basically a different beer now. It's a different style. I mean, we've seen how much IPA has migrated with a New England IPA and how that has changed everything. Uh, it's it's The styles just change over time, and Vienna Lager is one of those that's changed quite a bit. Um, when it comes to modern day craft Mexican style lagers, uh, you don't see the Vienna side so much. Um, and I, I think that's because of the sweetness, but I think when you see a craft version of a Mexican style lager, it's going to be on that lighter side, that, uh, crisper, cleaner side, a little bit of corn and not so much caramel malt and sweetness. Uh, which I think kind of makes it harder to drink over time. But um, either way, it's uh, Mexican-style lagers. It's got to be low ABV. Um, and by low, I mean anywhere probably 4.5 to probably topping out around 5.5. Uh, you know, higher than that, 6%, 6.5%, you're getting towards IPA range, but without the hops. And at that strength, I don't even know you would call that a, just a – I guess probably a Bach or a Doppelbach. Um, you're not going to be drinking that beer for very long when you're doing something you'd think of with the Mexican-style lager, you know, being at the beach or barbecuing or whatever it is, people Zoom Zoom barbecues, whatever the hell people do these days. Uh, it's not going to last you as long, or you're not going to last as long, I guess. Um, but if you're anywhere along the southern U.S.-Mexico border, you're probably going to find some examples of this style, uh, the Mexican, uh, Mexican style lager craft beers at probably at least half of breweries. I mean, it's a, I think it's catching on pretty well just about everywhere. Um, 
Or if you'd want to just half-ass it, buy a case of Corona and a bag of limes and call it a day. I don't know. It's your call. I'd suggest the craft beer path, but, you know, it's your money, so do what you want to do. I, I'm not I'm not opposed to Corona and lime in the neck. It's uh, it's not the worst thing on earth. So, to summarize, Mexican lagers, in my mind, have two pretty distinct branches. The paler lagers that have that corn chip no, and are easy drinkers, and the more Vienna-style lagers that are darker have kind of more of that caramel sweetness. Uh, either way, they're going to be pretty low in ABV, uh, generally 5 to 5.5%, five 5.5, and a half percent, uh, five and a half probably getting towards the high end. Um, they're not going to be super hoppy because that's not the point of these styles. And most importantly, they go great with food because who doesn't want beer and food? If I have food, you know, I am willing to try a beer with it uh, and, and you want something that goes well. You don't want something that doesn't pair well and kind of ruins your meal. So I'd take a pale Mexican lager and tacos or ceviche literally any day of the week. And those darker Vienna styles probably going to be pretty damn good with uh in the vein of mexican food something with mole something with a red chile sauce enchilada sauce something like that uh, those deeper flavors are gonna go pretty well together carbonation from beer is gonna help clean your palate a little bit uh help brighten things up a little bit so you know if you're interested in that kind of stuff uh there's more about it i do think i'm gonna have a food and beer pairing episode coming soon-ish so uh, if you're interested in that keep an eye out for that episode uh there is stuff out there on the on the online you can find um if you want to go deep into it brewmaster's table by garrett oliver is fantastic Uh, it is a little bit limited on the styles but uh it does go very in-depth on what it goes into so uh that's worth a buy if you're interested in exploring that more And yeah, that's it for this one. Uh, Just wanted to do a Mexican lager episode. Just kind of came to me recently at a suggestion. As always, please check out the show on uh, whatever platform you're on. Subscribe, follow on social media. Uh, Any comments or emails or uh, questions, send them to me. uh, Either on social media or tom at beertruth.com. I think that's all I have to say. So uh, next week is another interview. I'm going to be a little bit different in the craft beer world. So pay attention for that one. Uh, Interesting interview, uh, interesting story and brewery. Thanks again for listening. And until the next round, cheers.